Welcome to the CCF Podcast. We're a campus ministry at Truman State University. This podcast features sermons from our weekly worship services. Thanks for listening. Hello, friends. Um, <laughs> it is so good to see you all. Uh, before I say anything else, I just want to say thank you to all of you who have encouraged me this week as I've been preparing this, um, whether assuring me that I'm going to do great or just telling me you're excited for Sunday or giving me feedback on part or all or part of all of what I have. Um, yeah, you you know who you are. Uh, you've been such a blessing. Uh, so thank you. For those who don't know me, my name is Isaiah Minner. Yeah. <laughs> this is my name. <laughs> Uh, I'm a graduate student working towards my Master of Arts in Education. Uh, I'm currently a student teaching sixth grade math at William Matthew Middle School here in Kirksville. I love it, although I will say I'm perpetually tired. Also, I think I've been on the verge of sickness for like two weeks. I haven't been sick, but I'm like, it's going to happen any day now because middle school is a Petri dish. Ideally, when I'm done with my master's, I'll stick around here for a few years and get, teach in Kirksville, pretty much any, any position I can get a job. So if you are trying to get rid of me, not yet. Uh, I've always wanted to do the multiple title thing. Plus, it's a good teaching tactic to preview what you're about to talk about. So here is silence, or shame is worse than silence, or Darn those distractions, or the darkness is not dark, or right silence, right speech, or aren't we all just being woven? In the past two or three years, God has been teaching me a lot about silence and about prayer through my experiences at Truman and CCF and with my family. He has shown me that he has always been present, even in the darkest most hopeless moments. Before we get into all that, though, I think it's most appropriate to begin with a brief period of silence. Um, you're invited to close your eyes with me if you are comfortable, and we can all take a breath. Thank you all. Um, what did you notice in that silence? Did you feel peace, joy, rest? Did you feel angst, fear, stress? Were you anxious for it to be over, or were you content to be there? Was the silence loud, or was it quiet? Would you want to go back to that place? I think they're going on the floor. <laughs> I think that's the move. When we enter into silence, a lot can happen. At times, we may feel content to be in that space, held in God's arms. Perhaps more often, we find it uncomfortable. Henry Nouwen talks at length about the discipline of solitude. Here is one helpful quote. 
as soon as we are alone without people to talk to, books to read, TV to watch, or phone calls to make, an inner chaos opens up in us. This chaos can be so disturbing and so confusing that we can hardly wait to get busy again. When we have removed our outer distractions, we often find that our inner distractions manifest themselves to us in full force. Uh, one of the loneliest times in my life was two falls ago, the fall of 2021. That September, I began struggling in the wake of a painful breakup. I had just moved to Campbell, which is already pretty secluded. <coughs> and further, my roommate was rarely around, and I often didn't feel like leaving the apartment, so I spent a lot of time by myself. And this was honestly not a healthy time for me to be doing that. <coughs> really on the verge of sickness. <coughs> I also played arena ball yesterday and my like asthma was like kind of almost a thing. So I'm like kind of there, that was a, th yeah. So, so sorry. I want to just be able to speak, but I have to drink water and cough. One of my biggest struggles is shame. I sometimes feel as if I am worthless, as if I am only capable of evil which is a lie, of course. I sometimes say and believe I hate myself. After the breakup, these thoughts and emotions resurfaced in full force. Like Nowen said, when outer distractions are stripped away, our inner distractions take over. And to put it lightly, it's very unpleasant to sit, in, sit alone in silence when shame is whispering in your ear. To give a little more context, I want to share a little bit about my history with shame. Since I was probably 11 or 12 years old, I've struggled with an addiction to pornography. I've battled this for years and still struggle with it to this day. I can honestly say that I hate porn. It has wounded so many of my relationships, including those with my friends, with my significant others, with myself, with God. I hate porn, and yet some days I still choose it. This knowledge that porn is an awful, destructive, sinful thing paired with my continual struggle with it is one of the primary fuels for my shame. I have said to myself, Isaiah, how can you still watch porn when you know how terrible it is? It doesn't even make you happy, yet you keep on choosing it. I hate you for that. And this self-talk is part of what has kept me addicted. I've believed at times that all I'm capable of is evil. And if there's no hope to do good, why even try? That's some pretty heavy stuff. Um, the reason I share all of this, though, is because I want you to know that our inner distractions are no joke. It is a very serious thing to enter into silence. Um, when you choose to be silent before the Lord, you're choosing to allow the worst parts of yourself to rise against you and speak their lies. But do know that they are lies. The other reason I share all of this is to set the stage for what will come later, but not yet. <laughs> First, I'm afraid we have to plunge a little deeper into shame. Trust me, though. 
God will redeem this. Because of all the pain I knew it would entail, after the breakup, I stayed as far away from silence, and therefore shame, as I could. I found as many distractions as possible. I watched YouTube and played video games for hours, often skipping class to do so. Uh, I got just enough schoolwork done to stay afloat. And of course, porn was still an issue. In short, I did whatever I could to make sure shame didn't resurface again. And this is what my life began to look like. I would watch porn, feel ashamed, and then cover that shame with something else. I might play Call of Duty on my phone, watch YouTubes about Minecraft or Sudoku or something, <laughs> and or eat too much food to fill the literal but also metaphorical, spiritual, empty hole inside me. And yet also these things were feeding my shame. Um, this is when I noticed that I was skipping class and putting off assignments and not interacting with people a healthy amount. I love coming to CCF, and I even considered on some like really bad days not coming to CCF. Um, praise God that he has loved me enough that no matter what I do, I can't seem to get away from him and his people. Um, this is a small thing, but it's a helpful indicator for me now of my <laughs> quote-unquote shame status. If I'm feeling quite ashamed, I can look around my apartment and see simple messes left uncleaned, most especially my worst enemy, the dishes. <laughs> if my sink is full of dirty dishes, it may indicate that I'm feeling quite ashamed, of course. It could also indicate that I just hate doing the dishes. <laughs> so in the fall of 2021, I avoided the silence at all costs. I filled the space with whatever distractions I could get my hand on, thereby making it all but impossible for me to hear God's voice and whatever great things he would probably be trying to tell me. Luckily, God fought for me when I had no strength to fight for myself. This section is called The First Poke of Light. I'm fuzzy on the order of things, but the next part of the story goes something like this. Uh, CCF had a media fast in that fall of 2021, which I almost flippantly decided to participate in. Like, eh, who knows? Maybe it could help me heal a little bit. So I gave up YouTube and video games and chose to face my fears and sit and cultivate a discipline of silence. <laughs> I think that God's first act of mercy to me in this time was, was that during those first few times in silence, I wasn't like completely overwhelmed by all those inner distractions. Um, it's almost like he was saying, though so quietly I couldn't hear it at the time, Isaiah, you can do this. You can bear the silence. I will be your strength. His second act of mercy was a meeting I had with Reed sometime either shortly before or after the media fast, fuzzy on the details. Um, in this meeting, he introduced me to Psalm 139, which would become another breath of fresh air for me. Side note, uh, if any of you were here two Wednesdays ago when Reed announced that he would be preaching over that psalm multiple times and you heard a loud clap and woot from the back of the room, that was me. Uh, I'm sort of a huge fan <laughs> for reasons I will soon discuss. 
Uh, anyway, he shared the psalm with me, and it became the voice of God that would speak into my silence for, honestly, the next, like, couple years. Um, and for probably two or three months around that time, I would slowly write out the psalm verse by verse, usually only writing, like, one or two verses in a sitting, and then just, like, letting it sit and just simmer for, like, days at a time. And this really did help the words sink into me. Um, yeah, so at the time, one passage stood out to me above the rest, and it's still one of my passages, favorite passages from one, Psalm 139 and probably all of Scripture. It's verses 7 through 12. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. This passage resonates with me because in the fall of 2021, I did take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. And I did say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. With my shameful actions, I said, God, you know what? I don't believe you. I don't believe that you want to satisfy me. I don't believe that you are able to heal me because I can handle this myself. I was in deep darkness. As Kevin said on Wednesday, I was in the pit which is from Psalm 40. Yet these verses helped me begin to realize that God is not afraid of the dark. Where shall I flee from your spirit? A whispered reply, nowhere. I'm everywhere. Even in your darkness, Isaiah, I am with you. I love to be with you. These verses helped me begin to wonder if Maybe the darkness is not so dark after all. Maybe I could be healed. So light had begun to poke in. I'd begun to make a little more space for God. And in that space, I was able to hear his quiet voice a little more clearly. In the months that would follow, I would continue on the path to making more room for silence, confronting my shame, and hearing God's voice in those spaces. Last semester, the seeds of silence that God planted in me two falls ago uh, began to sprout. Psalm 139 began to trickle its way down into my soul, and I started to more intentionally cultivate a discipline of silence to make space to hear God's voice. A helpful experience with this process was joining Stephanie's small group on solitude and silence. Didn't take much of a second thought on that one, because <laughs> uh, it's kind of in my theme. In the group, we would often sit in silence together. It was a really awesome group. And we would have these conversations about silence in general and how God works in it. Um, and to supplement the group, Stephanie encouraged us to spend daily time in silence as well. So I would spend a lot of mornings uh, sitting on one of the three benches on the quad outside Pickler. I'm a huge fan of that cypress tree right by the library's entrance. Kind of obsessed with it right now. Um, 
listening, really just listening in silence for God's voice. Samuel Sardis actually took a video, like a four-second video. I couldn't find it. I almost found it. it I think it's gone now, but he, it's like a four-second video. It's called Back of Isaiah Miner's Head, and it's just me sitting on one of those benches. He was on the second floor of the library, and it's just him, like, zooming in on It's four seconds long. It's him zooming in on my head, and the whole time there's, like, this metal music, like, dun 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 And <laughs> I wanted so bad to find it, but I'm pretty sure it's gone. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Excellent. Um, he just like showed it to me and I was like, I don't know whether to feel violated, flattered, or like <laughs> happy. I think mostly happy. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> uh, one of the most significant lessons I learned from the experiences in small group and then sitting in silence, um, is best described by this quote that we discussed in our final, uh, small group meeting of the semester. It's by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says, Right speech comes out of silence, and right silence comes out of speech. There's a lot of layers uh, to that quote, but the thing that stood out to me at the time was that it gave words to what I was already realizing. We, are can we cannot hear God's voice if we're not silent at times. Okay, I was well into my discipline of silence when it came time for fall break of last semester. Um, last semester, I was part of International Focus Group, IFG. Whoop, 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 whoop. Uh, finger hearts to all of you. So good. Uh, during fall break, we had planned an IFG retreat, which was just such a great experience. Um, it was sort of like a smaller scale spring break trip, kind of. Um, and yes, it was equally as awesome. We took some international students out to a retreat center and basically just rested and enjoyed community for a weekend. This entailed a lot of games and social interaction, which were beautiful and enjoyable. Played wingspan. I think I might have won, but I don't remember. Uh, but it was also kind of noisy. It's just stuff going on the whole time. Um, so I, that's why I'm very grateful that we had had like a scheduled time of solitude on Saturday. The time was fairly unstructured. The only requirement was that you be alone. So you could take a nap, you could go for a walk, you could read, you could pray, you could whatever, uh, as long as you're alone. And for this time, Stephanie had also written like an optional guided meditation for us to work through if we were interested. Um, so I grabbed a copy and I went outside. It was a little chilly. Um, and I went out to the gazebo. Uh, here's something that has begun happening to me more and more often as I spend time in silence. Sometimes I'll feel an urge to like read a certain thing or write a poem or do a certain task or whatever. I'm like about to go do it. And then I feel this like other urge to pause and just like be still for a minute. Um, it's like God saying, slow down. So sometimes I listen, <laughs> sometimes I don't. Um, so I walked out to the gazebo on this brisk fall morning with this reflection in hand, intending to just dive right in. And I had that same sense, that urged pause. So I listened this time. I began my gazebo time by resting in silence. 
And there really weren't a lot of inner distractions. Uh, there was another now quote that I almost put in here that uh, talks about like distractions, like inner distractions are going to seem really bad at first. Like they're just knocking at the door. And if you just don't open the door, eventually I'll get tired of knocking and just leave. Um, and I think I'd gotten to a point at this point where I was like, the inner distractions are kind of calming down a little bit. And so I'm, I'm not, like, I'm in this silence and I'm not feeling, like, pressed that I need to do something. I'm not like, oh, man, it's cold out and I'm distracted by how cold it is. And I'm not thinking about shame or any other problems. I'm just, like, I'm just chilling. It's just a quiet stillness, like breathing out on a sunny day. And I sat in that gazebo, basking in that sunlight, and the time was just inconsequential. I could have sat there forever. I had let go of any need, any need for company, any need for comfort, for any task to work on, something to think about, nothing. And at some point, it seemed right to jot down a little poem on the back of the sheet, so I did. And then after that poem, it seemed like the time to start the reflection. Uh, the reflection began by asking God to make his presence known in this moment by placing your hands palm up in a gesture of receptivity. And then began an extended period of gratitude, relishing in what God has given us Lord, I am grateful for the sunshine and the breeze on this fall day. I'm grateful for the silence of this retreat center and for this time of solitude. I'm thankful for my friends. Thank you, Lord. And then the reflection guided us to share a decision we needed to make with God. I didn't have any particularly pressing decisions, so I was a little stumped at first. Soon I felt God kind of prompting me to think about porn, which I really hadn't done in a while. You know, shame and all that, not a pleasant thought. Um, <laughs> what, what, what decision could God be asking me to make surrounding porn? I kind of felt God tugging me a bit as if to say, well, I asked myself, could I really decide not to watch porn anymore? This is maybe going to seem like a silly question. Um, like, of course, I can just, yeah, I can make that decision. It's just a choice. Um, but the thing about, like, porn addiction and shame, at least in my experience, is that they have this way of convincing you that they are inevitable. Like, that's just how it's going to be. You're trapped in that, and you're never going to change. Um, in fact, a couple of months previous, I talked with my counselor, and he, about this, and he, he was like, you know, it really seems like you've resigned yourself to this way of thinking. And I was like, I have. <laughs> I was like, you're right. <laughs> Most counselors, they basically just repeat what you say. So that's kind of, that's kind of the job. <laughs> I was like, you're right. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I was very resigned. And so, I, but I was like, what do I do about that? You know, like, I don't feel any urge to change. So I kind of just been letting this like sit in the background and it gets brought back up in this gazebo time. I think we might've been, I might've been walking around at this point. Um, yeah, 
I really was resigned that I was always going to struggle with porn and shame, and I honestly felt, like, hopeless sometimes. Like, this is just how it is. And, sorry. Um, so I left the gazebo. I started walking around on the retreat grounds. There were some horses out. It was pretty cool. I was thinking deeply about resignation and hopelessness and whether change really was possible. It's not like I just, like, had this thought, and I was like, yep. Let's do it. Um, like, no, it's, it's like years of my life that it's been a struggle. So, um, but I don't know. In that moment, God just like reached in and he said one word. Yes. That's it. Just yes. But I knew what he meant. Um, he meant what he was really saying was, Yes, I know that you are resigned to this way of life. And yes, I know that you doubt that I really can bring you this new life and that I want to do that. But yes, I can. And yes, my dear son, I will. And I was like giddy. I was like, no, that's not possible. I was like, I don't know about all that. Um, so I'm like having this like, was it really possible? Like it would be pretty cool. Um, uh, and so, but then I'm like wrestling with all the logistics. Like, what would I have to give up in order to make that choice? What good habits do I have to cultivate? That takes work. And what bad habits do I have to just cut off? That takes work. And do I really think it's worth it? That's the question. Is it worth it? That's the question I'm asking myself. Do I really believe God? If I do, let's go it. Let's do it. You know, like let's make that belief manifest in my life. So, yeah, I'm still trying to, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm, I'm still trying to work out the answers to those questions. I think I'm a little closer today than I was yesterday, and certainly a little closer than I was back in the fall. With such a deep-rooted sin, there really are no simple solutions. I'm not going like, to act like everything's cool. <laughs> like, it's still a real struggle. Um, also, like, yes, intellectually, I believe God, that, like, he wants me to be happy, and that... And intellectually, I believe that, like, I don't need to hate myself. But that doesn't change the fact that, like, sometimes my experience is otherwise, you know. Um, when I sit in the stillness, when it's hard, my actions say, yes, I believe that it is worth it to wait for God. And when I watch porn or run from God in one of the million other ways I know how to, my actions say, no, God, I think I know what I need, and it's not you. And by the way, take a hike. <laughs> um, what I'm saying is I'm a work in progress. Today I'm a little less resigned, a little less ashamed. Heck, I'm here talking to all of you about this. <laughs> uh, a little more in tune with Christ, and dare I say a little more holy than I was yesterday. But I still struggle. I suspect I always will. <sighs> Concluding time. Okay, in the fall of 2021, <laughs> I was in the pit. I was in darkness, maybe the darkest it's ever been. But God did not give up on me. Instead, he began teaching me 
to be silent and listen for his voice. And the first words I heard were from Psalm 139, those ones I shared earlier. I heard God saying, your darkness is not dark to me, Isaiah. And I was so deeply ashamed of how I was living. I hated myself for watching porn, eating too much, skipping class, not doing my dishes. And I'd become resigned to this. This is how it was always going to be. Really, I'd lost hope. And then God spoke those words to me, and the light poked ever so slightly in. And since that time, I've been practicing silence more and more, just making space, knowing that God's right speech will come out of silence, and making that space for him to speak into my life. And I heard his resounding yes to me on the IFG retreat. Yes, I do want you to be happy. And yes, it's going to be hard. <laughs> and yes, yes, yes. Um, and I'm continuing, I'm continuing to hear him pour out his love to me through Psalm 139. And so I'm going to do like a prayer, Psalm 139 type conclusion. And I'm just going to read these next, the next section after the darkness is not dark section as a closing prayer. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. There's an ellipsis. I'm going to skip some parts and end with, I awake and I am still with you.